Welcome to the NTEB Prophecy News Podcast with your host and Bible teacher, Jeffrey Greider. Rightly divided, dispensationally correct, and standing on the authority of the King James Holy Bible. This program is brought to you by NowTheEndBegins.com. And good afternoon, everybody. Happy Monday, and welcome to this edition of the Prophecy News Podcast today. The same people that brought you Event 201 are right now crafting the Disease X Act of 2023 and a whole lot more. Let me take you back to the evening of October 18th, 2019, to a little gathering entitled Event 201, something Johns Hopkins calls a, quote, global pandemic exercise. Of course, it was invitation only, and of course, it was held behind closed doors. The financing for this event came from none other than the Bill Gates Foundation. Here in 2024, the same cast of characters are getting ready to do it again with a little tune that they call Disease X, which will soon be playing on your radio. One of the ways that this will play out is in something called the Disease Act the <laughs> The Disease X Act, that's a tough one, the Disease X Act of 2023. I think you know that the pandemic is past and that lockdowns are nothing more than a slightly frightening distant memory, but they're not, not by a long shot. We first brought you Disease X about six months ago, uh, back in August. At the time, it was really just a concept rather than a thing, but oh, how things have changed. As we go into stroke and blood clot season, um, sorry, I mean cold and flu season, Disease X is now popping up everywhere you look. The folks at John Hopkins, uh, the launching pad for the lab-made gain-of-function virus known as COVID-19, are already hard at work behind Disease X with their guns blazing. I wonder what the plushie toy for this one will look like, but I digress. Today, we bring you all the updates and breaking news that you need to know about Disease X, as well as headlines from across the end times dystopia sphere, including what's happening today in Davos, Switzerland, with the World Economic Forum 2024 meeting with our friend Klaus Schwab. But first... Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask for his blessing on today's program. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for waking us up today. We thank you for the food on the table, the clothes on our back, the roof over our head. We thank you for the work that you've given us to do, Lord. And today we pray for lost souls. Kevin Thompson praying for his father, Tim. Steve Graves and Elga need to get saved. Rob is praying for his three kids, Max, Olivia, and Mikey. Phyllis T. praying for her husband, um, retired Navy SEAL Brian A. Robbins. He needs to get saved. Todd Broom's brother Thad for salvation. Marie's friends, family, Ashley, Dayton, Alyssa, Kyle, Brandon, Grace, Micah, and Macy. Adam and Katie are praying for parents, sisters, brother-in-law, nieces, and nephew. Joe Rusiello in Eagle Pass, Texas, asking salvation prayer for his mother, sister, granddaughter, and in-laws. Ellen, praying for her grandsons, Braden and Logan. His Grace, praying for Rob, Summer, Sue and Mike, Carl, Jason and Rachel, Jason and Carrie. 
Lola's son William and his wife Lindsay, Hannah's mom, Anja praying for Hanu, John, Charles, and Anna Lilsa, Dave Evans praying for his friend Taylor, Viviana praying for her brother Javier Reyes, Adam and Katie also praying for their neighbors, Jason, Eddie, and Brian. Loretta Oates praying for her sons, Kenny and Matthew. Jane is asking salvation prayer for her son, Troy. Julie Lynn praying for her friend, Katie Ann. Chona praying for Estefano Jr., Eugenia and her kids, Marisol and Cherry, and her siblings, Julia and Maria Tricia. Chuck Edgerton praying for his mom, Jacob, um, his son, Jacob, and his mom, Lynette. Samantha praying for Beth. Deborah Hare, praying for her unsaved family members. Rita, praying for her son, Dan. Uh, Teresa, praying for unsaved family members. Lisa, praying for her father, John. Annabelle, praying for his unsaved children. Deborah Milton's son, Billy, needs to be saved. Hap Nightingale, praying for his sons, Jimmy and Zach. Uh, Don Huff, Claire, and Virginia need to get saved. Norman Merkel, praying for his daughter Kara, granddaughter Ava, son-in-law Stephen Matthews, and kid's mother uh, Lynette Crew. Henrique Larson, praying for his parents Kaijel and Elizabeth, for his sister and her spouse Ingrid and Frederick, uh, and Aunt Barrett, who is 95. Roz is praying for lost family members. Brian, needs salvation prayer. Andrew Whittington needs to get saved. Marisol Barcina praying for Catholic family members in Panama. Rapture 57, unsaved family members. Gail praying for Jim. Shirley Medor praying for her brother and his wife. Eric Brian Yui praying for his parents Anna and Norillo, members of his family and co-workers. Tony the Carpenter and his son Cole need to be saved. Kenny B., would like salvation prayer for unsaved family. Rachel K., unsaved family friends and neighbors. Sandra C., unsaved family members. Marky Mark, would like prayer for unsaved relatives. Regina Danner, praying for Kelly, Chris, Cisco, Richard, Wayne, John, Sandra, Tamara, Hazel, and Jimmy. Haley's aunt and family for salvation, and Carol from Georgia would like to see her sister, cousins, and families get saved, as well as Aunt Joey, who is 101 years old. Uh, People who need a healing today. At the top of the list, um, I have very selfishly put my own brother, Jimmy, at the top of the list. Um, Please pray for him. He is in an absolute battle for his life in the hospital. He has been in the hospital for the past five weeks, but we went up there. And if you haven't heard the Sunday service from yesterday, highly advise that you go and listen to it. Um, The Lord absolutely doing miraculous things with him up in New Jersey and in our life as well. And we believe my brother got saved uh, last week at some point. And uh, so please keep my brother Jimmy in your prayers for a healing. Uh, Sharon McIntosh, uh, pray for my sister Shirley. She had a hernia operation with complications. Thomas is experiencing discouragement, um, something along the lines of what I would call profound discouragement. And uh, we are praying for him. Anetta needs prayer for a complete healing to be able to walk again. David praying for mom Laura after she had a stroke. 
Sadie has heart-related issues. Derek O'Reilly has anxiety. Kevin Thompson has been getting headaches. Daniel in Australia, please pray for a healing in my marriage, God's blessing on my kids, recovery from various health issues for my wife and myself, and to find a good Bible-believing church. Marcia Swanson has mylagic encephalomyelitis. It's a neuroimmune disease. George H. has health issues. James Rivette, recovering from addiction and mental health issues. Robert Wiley has ALS disease. Jill Puckett is losing her vision. Paul Caulfield, battling diabetes. Ron Alliston has cancer. Um, Cindy Kettlecamp's daughter, Brooke, is recovering slowly from autism, but definitely getting better month after month. Krista battling a tumor in her chest. Dan Kane's wife, Roxy, has MS, and he also wants prayer for son, Jonathan. Uh, Rob says, my friend Mike has MS and is struggling. Ida Karulik has cancer. Mark Seals has numerous health issues. Tony is blind, has cancer, and his wife is divorcing him. Roz uh, has asthma and scoliosis. Maddie Luck has Lully body dementia and her daughter Michelle has severe neuropathy and fibromyalgia. Tracy has arthritis in her spine, diabetes type 2, and a fatty liver. Linda Pippin would like prayer for a healing from fibromyalgia and neuropathy. Michelle Christian has bone cancer. Uh, Melissa B's husband, Brian, has stage 3 kidney disease. Ricky Gouda needs prayer for her eyesight and her daughter, Norcha, uh, complications with thyroid. Jane asking for prayer for the salvation of her parents and brother. Also, her husband, Schwang, is suffering from a very painful tumor in his nerves on his spine. Brooke's sister, Ashley, has MS. Jackie H. wants prayer regarding custody of her son. Uh, Vladimir's friend Katka suffers from ALS. Dave Evans' friend Manuela has uh, bone marrow cancer. Stacy is going through a divorce and needs wisdom. Terry Horn has had multiple strokes and needs prayer. Casey's husband is unsaved and a severe alcoholic. Matthew Morrow is battling alcoholism. Tom Rance uh, battling back from a stroke and a brain bleed. Julius, please continue to pray for my mom, Erlinda, and my niece, Rochelle, with health issues. Brooke's friend, Bertie, had a stroke and a seizure. Jeanette's sister, Kisabel, continues to improve after eye surgery. Wayne needs prayer for cancer. Not sure if he is saved. Ashley DeShields, still battling the crippling effects of the West Nile virus. And she's having multiple health complications. Lorianne says, please add my mom. That's my mother-in-law. Joyce to the prayer list. She found a lump on her breast and is going in for a test this week. Shira Shine, please keep my family in prayer. My son and his wife uh, have cut me out of their life and my grandchild's life. Um, please pray for God to do something there. Ladies who are expecting our daughter, Megan Burton, Shira Shine's daughter-in-law. Um, you know what? I'm going to take her off because they had the baby. Amen. Christy Ireland, um, Char's daughter, Miranda, 
Sandra Carbonera's friend Jordan P. Stephanie Juliana and her sister Christina are both pregnant. Sarah Ann Severson is expecting her first baby in May. And Spray of Sunshine would like prayers for her son and his girlfriend who are expecting twins. Also, also, let's go to the chat room today. Heath, please keep me in your prayers. I sure do need them. Uh, It's been a struggle. And he says, thank you very much. Uh, Also, Gloria has asked for prayers. She would like the Lord to give her guidance and direction on the best way to hand out gospel tracts. So please pray for Gloria. Also, there seems to be a lot of crazy, wild weather happening across the country. People have been talking about this in the chat room, and it seems to go all the way across the country uh, as far as Eugene, Oregon, but all through the Midwest, people are reporting in that uh, there is a huge winter storm happening. It is freezing cold and uh, power is going off and on and on and off. Um, So we are going to lift up everybody in the path of the storm as well. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your mercy. We thank you, God, for every good and perfect gift that you give us. Lord, we pray for everybody in the path of the storm, in every state where it appears. And Lord, the temperatures are freezing, and uh, power is being shut down. And uh, Lord, there's accidents. The roadways are littered with accidents. And uh, we just pray, God, for everybody in the path of the storm, that you would keep them safe and give them what they need to get through it. Um, Lord, We thank you for every name on the prayer list. We thank you for everybody uh, who has reached out and said, hey, please pray for me. And God, we lift up every one of these people to you for all the needs, uh, people suffering strokes and heart attacks and brain bleeds and and cancer and uh, organ failure and you name it, people are experiencing it. Uh, People need to find housing. People need to find shelter. People need recovery from addiction and uh, they have mental health issues. So Father God, please hear these prayers, receive them and answer them according to your will uh, for us and will give you all the honor and the glory for it. In Jesus name, Amen. Amen. Well, good afternoon, everybody. Happy Monday. We have so much to talk about today. Disease X has made it back into the news. If you are a regular listener of this podcast, you know that back in August, I think it was August 17th, um, we told you all about Disease X, and we have a lot more updates today, and uh, people are getting excited about it, and not in a good way. They're getting excited about it from the perspective that it's starting to feel like history might be repeating itself. And um, you know what it says in Ecclesiastes 1.9? It says exactly that. Ecclesiastes 1.9 says, The thing that hath been, it is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing 
under the sun. And uh, history has a tendency to repeat. Events and wars and rumors of wars have a tendency to be cyclic and circle around. And it's, you know, something happens and then a few years later you say to yourself, this seems awfully familiar. Have I experienced this before? And um, if you're paying attention, you will realize that, yes, um, these things do repeat themselves. Uh, but before we get to our top story, um, well, let's start with this from Donald Trump, just to kind of set the mood a little bit. They want to ban straws. Has anybody ever tried those paper straws? They're not working too good. Right? Has anybody ever tried? Seriously, the new straw is made out of paper, right? It disintegrates as you drink it. If you have a nice tie like this tie, this would have no chance. By the time you get finished, the straw is totally disintegrated. Does anybody walk around with a plastic straw? Because it's not bad. You know, you whip it out, boom, boom. You never had to do that. So they want to ban straws. They said, oh, really? What about the cart? What about the plate? What about the knives and the spoons that are plastic? Oh, they're okay. But the straws we got to ban. Isn't it funny? You never really realized before how much of what Donald Trump says when he gives a speech, when he gives a talk, when he has a rally, how much of what comes out of his mouth is really perfectly formulated for a situation comedy. And uh, that was just a clip of an actual, um, he was ranting about straws and outlawing straws and all that stuff. But you set it to the soundtrack of Seinfeld and it sounds like an episode of Seinfeld. And so (laughs) it just, um, whether you like him or you hate him, you're going to vote for him or you're going to vote for somebody else. At the very least, you got to admit that Donald Trump, uh, keeps things from getting boring. And, uh, it's, it's always interesting what he's working on. Now, If you've been following Donald Trump, you know that he has been hit hard with a a, a case that was brought against him uh, in Georgia, a woman by the name of Fannie Willis, and she brought this court case against him, and they alleged all of these criminal charges and civil charges, and really, really hit him hard. Um, his, his lawyers had this to say, from 1789 to 2023, no president has ever fra- faced criminal prosecution for acts committed while in office. That unbroken historic tradition of presidential immunity is rooted in the separation of powers and the text of the Constitution. And that's what his lawyers were arguing last week in Georgia. Now, you may not know the name Fannie Willis. You may not have heard. Uh, You might not be following it all that closely, but she is the district um, attorney for Fulton County, Georgia, and she has filed charges against him through the prosecutor of charges like criminal election subversion, 
and um, all these other things. And I'm just looking at the list here now. Uh, she has a whole laundry list of things that um, uh, she says that he is guilty of. Well, the trial is coming to an end and the trial is almost over. And this little nugget kind of bubbled up to the top. As it turns out, Fannie Willis, the district attorney of Fulton County in Georgia, she had an affair with the very same prosecutor, Nathan Wade, who she hired to bring these charges against Donald Trump that Trump says are trumped up. And this came to light over the weekend. And um, it immediately cast a very negative light on Fannie Willis, who up to that point had been doing really, really well with the case. Uh, The judge hasn't ruled in that case yet, but Fannie Willis, um, as it turns out, conspired with the prosecutor who she was having an affair with to bring these charges of alleged impropriety and criminal wrongdoing against the former president, Donald Trump. Well, on Sunday, Fannie Willis went to church. Now, did she go to church to pray or repent of her sins or anything of that nature? Maybe she went to church to get saved? (laughs) No, she didn't do any of those things. She went to church on Sunday after getting caught, conspiring with her lover, the prosecutor, and this is what she said from the pulpit. It's really quite astonishing. Take a listen to Fannie Willis, the district attorney of Fulton County in Georgia, defending herself against these charges. All the glory I receive is his grace not a perfect me. We are at a time in history, people. Hear me on this. We are at a time in history when you can no longer sit back and just let other folks do it. You cannot expect black women to be perfect and save the world. The Lord is completing us. We are not perfect. We need your prayers. We need to be allowed to stumble. We need grace. With that kind of support, we will move mountains and do Jesus' will. Keep in mind that this is what she's saying after it came to light that she conspired with her lover, the prosecutor, to go after Trump. (laughs) Stumbling all the way. So his flawed, hard-headed, and imperfect child has a message for each of you today. Please find a way to do your extraordinary, God-given assignment and make this community and the world a better place for all of his people. See, it is never about who you are. It is always about the great I am and who he is. See, we are all flawed, sinners, unworthy, imperfect, damaged, 
commit yourself to be obedient and steadfast <laughs> in your Oh, man, I can't take any more of that. Um, that's Fanny Willis, and uh, that's her reply to getting caught conspiring with the prosecutor who was her illicit lover that she was having an affair with conspiring with the prosecutor to go after Donald Trump. Now, if Donald Trump has lawyers that are even halfway good after something like that comes to light, it should be a relatively easy task to have this case in Georgia dismissed. Um, I don't know if his lawyers will be able to pull that off, but they should be able to pull it off. Uh, obviously, obviously, uh, Fannie Willis has been, it's, you can't conspire to prosecute people. Um, but that's, it looks like, allegedly, that's what she did. And so she went to church to preach about black women being flawed. And uh, she's hoping that that will be a suitable defense. All right. Uh, one more thing about Donald Trump, and then we have to move on. Uh, there is something called Project 2025. Project 2025. And... Maybe you've heard about it. Maybe you haven't heard about it. Um, let me tell you what the Project 2025 website says. And you can go to project2025.org and you can read it for yourself. It is called the Presidential Transition Project. And it says this, the actions of liberal politicians in Washington have created a desperate need and unique opportunity for conservatives to start undoing the damage the left has wrought and build a better country for all Americans in 2025. It is not enough for conservatives to win elections. If we are going to rescue the country from the grip of the radical left, we need both a governing agenda and the right people in place ready to carry this agenda out on day one of the next conservative administration. This is the goal of the 2025 Presidential Transition Project. The project will build on four pillars that will collectively pave the way for an effective conservative administration. And those four pillars are a policy agenda, personnel, training, and a playbook for the first 180 days, basically the first six months. The 2025 Presidential Transition Project is being organized by the Heritage Foundation and builds off of Heritage's long-standing Mandate for Leadership which has been highly influential for presidential administrations since the Reagan era. So that's a couple of paragraphs from project2025.org, and that tells you in their words what this project is all about. Now, if you spend 30 seconds on Twitter today, or X, you are going to see this video that I'm going to play for you right now, this is burning up the social media 
over on the X platform. And uh, this is how the radical left views Project 2025. I want you to listen to it all the way through, and then we're going to talk about it. This is how the radical left views Donald Trump and Project 2025. Take a listen. If you haven't heard about Project 2025, stop what you're doing and watch this. Project 2025 is a plan for Trump's second term that would transform America into a far-right Christian nationalist militarized state. You can read the nearly thousand-page plan for yourself at project2025.org so you can know I am not exaggerating. Three key facts. Number one, a mass firing purge that Trump authorized before the 2020 election but never got to act on is at the center of Project 2025. Now, more than two million Americans across the country are part of the federal civilian workforce. Scientists at scientific agencies, doctors at the FDA, accountants at the IRS. We want experts doing jobs that require expertise. But more than 50,000 of them would be fired under this plan and replaced with MAGA loyalists who would use the power of these agencies to fundamentally change the nature of America without needing to involve Congress. Number two. Project 2025 is a far-right Christian nationalist agenda. By page five, they're already proclaiming pornography should be outlawed, the people who produce and distribute it should be imprisoned, educators and public librarians who purvey it should be classed as registered sex offenders. This would be alarming enough if they were talking about actual pornography. But their definition spans anything that acknowledges the existence of LGBTQ people. They claim on page 451 that families comprised of a married mother, father, and their children are the foundation of a well-ordered nation and healthy society, thereby designating queer people, single parents, unmarried co-parents, and people who get abortions as inherently inferior and a threat to the state. On page 584, they call for the Department of Labor to explicitly give companies permission to discriminate against LGBTQ Americans. On page 450, they also declare that life begins at conception, and abortion is, quote, not health care. Now, I don't know about you, but we're halfway into this clip, and um, I don't agree with the light into which this speaker is putting these things. Um but I haven't really heard anything that I would disagree with. Life begins at conception. It absolutely does. Um, We should (laughs) make marriage only for one man and one woman. We absolutely should. And so all these things in Project 2025, if you're a born-again Christian, these are all things that you're going to agree with. But the the reason why I'm playing this clip for you and I'm letting you hear from the radical left is because this is how they view the things that the Bible holds up to be pure and good and right and true. Marriage is for one man and one woman only. The LGBTQ should not be given special rights. We should not have all this diversity hiring for the sake of diversity and all this crazy stuff that's going on. Um, I haven't heard one thing that I disagree with yet. 
Accordingly, the FDA would ban abortion medications, as detailed on page 458. The administration would also seek to strip abortion services and contraception from health plans. See pages 483 and 585. Number three, Project 2025 envisions a militarized police state where law enforcement is answerable only to the president. Maybe you live in a blue city or state and you think... Now hold on one second. I find this very ironic that this leftist is talking about living in a police state when we just played a clip on how the DA from Fulton County, Georgia conspired with her lover, the prosecutor, to to bring false charges against Donald Trump and haul him into court. Do we live in a police state where the government has been weaponized? Yeah, we do. But who weaponized the government? Sure looks like the Democrats did that. I don't have to worry about my librarians being imprisoned. Guess again. Page 553 lays out how Trump's Justice Department will take over local law enforcement if they don't like how your own elected officials are running things. And they will prosecute district attorneys that they don't agree with. The plan also strips the FBI director of their independence, making them a lackey of the president. See page 549. And on page 104, the plan reduces the number of military generals, so power is more fully consolidated in the commander-in-chief. A central... The FBI and the Department of Justice is already the lackey of the White House. And for the last three and a half years, um, the DOJ and the FBI and the CIA has been protecting... Joe Biden and Hunter Biden and stopping them from being brought to trial for their obvious misdeeds. The focus of the new police state would be Trump's goal of undertaking the largest domestic deportation operation in American history. Immigration enforcement is to be conducted like a war, with the military deployed within the U.S., and millions of immigrants rounded up and thrown into newly constructed mass holding camps. A powerful new border security and immigration agency would replace the Department of Homeland Security. See page 133. This would also mean the DHS's efforts to combat far-right domestic terrorists would stop altogether. One plan that is not in the public document, but that members of the Project 2025 team reportedly disclosed to the Washington Post, is to invoke the Insurrection Act to have the military suppress public protests against Trump. I'm just scratching the surface. The plan is loaded with actions ranging from changing labor rules to effectively end overtime pay, that's on page 592, to slaughtering wild horses, that's on page 528. You can do your own deep dive on their website, project2025.org. I'm Alan Piper at A. Piper 13. All right, that was far-left radical leftist Alan Piper telling you what he thinks about Project 2025. Um, I think Project 2025 is pretty good, and I think uh, it would be awesome to see a reversal of so many of the things that has really done great damage to this country. Uh, We sell a book at the bookstore called How Satan Turned America Against God by uh, End Times author Dr. Bill Grady. 
And if you haven't read that book, I advise that you get yourself a copy of How Satan Turned America Against God. You can get that book at BibleBeliever.com. That's our um, bookstore for the ministry. You can go to BibleBeliever.com and get yourself a copy of How Satan Turned America Against God. And uh, it will be a blessing for you. All right. Let's get to our top story today. Let's talk about uh, what everybody is talking about on social media today. Uh, They are talking about a little something called Disease X. And Disease X is an unidentified, yet-to-be-named virus that hasn't shown up yet. Now, we told you, we told you, Back in the closing days of 2019, we told you about an event called Event 201, October of 2019. And uh, it was an amazing thing that Bill Gates put together. 65 people from the military, from medicine, from health, from politics, from the government, from law enforcement. And he put all these people in a room and they imagined... What would it be like if there was this nasty virus like, say, COVID-19 that just came out of nowhere and began to infect the entire world? And uh, the event was called Event 201. They even uh, made this really cute-looking little plushy toy and um, they made it orange and yellow. They put a nice tag on it. They put a nice smiley face on it. It had beautiful big green eyes. And uh, it was this very collectible plushy toy of a deadly, deadly, out-of-control gain-of-function created in the Wuhan lab virus. And one of the things that they talked about at Event 201 is they talked about the need to combat misinformation. So they set up a fake news program. I think they called it GNN instead of CNN. They called it the Global News Network. And the whole thing looked and sounded like a cheesy 1990s uh, end times Christian movie, which I love those cheesy 1990s Christian movies. And um, one of the things that they talked about was that if this virus began to sweep around the entire world, people would try to blame the government for the virus. And so they, they, they had an entire session dedicated to combating misinformation. And just listen to a minute or two of session number four from Event 201 on combating misinformation. Pharmaceutical companies are being accused of introducing the CAPS virus so they can make money on drugs and vaccines and have seen public faith in their products plummet. Unrest due to false rumors and divisive messaging is rising and is exacerbating exacerbating spread of the disease as levels of trust fall and people stop cooperating with response efforts. Health ministries around the world are attempting to combat mis- and disinformation by amplifying public health messaging through social and traditional media. But they are being outpaced by false and misleading information. Thank you, Dr. Sell. 
So here's the policy crisis for this meeting of the board. How can governments, international businesses, international organizations ensure that reliable information is getting to the public? So let me just stop session number four from event 201 from October of 2019 right there. They already had everything in place. They already anticipated what it would look like when people started to figure out that this virus was created in a lab in Wuhan, China. They already put systems in place. How do we stop people from spilling the beans? Well, the clip that I just played for you was them imagining what would be done. Now I want to play for you a clip from July 15th of 2021. And I want you to listen as the the then press secretary, Jen Psaki, admitted that the Biden administration colluded with all the major social media to censor American free speech. Take a listen to Jen Psaki from July 15th of 2021, and you will see that everything that was said in Event 201 was something that came to pass. Take a listen. Thanks, Jen. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about this uh, request for tech companies to be more aggressive in policing misinformation? Has the administration been in touch with any of these companies? And are there any actions that the federal government can take to ensure their cooperation? Because we've seen from the start, there's not a lot of action on some of these platforms. Sure. Uh, well, first, we are in regular touch uh, with these social media platforms. Uh, and those uh, engagements typically happen through members of our senior staff, but also members of our COVID-19 team. Uh, Given, as Dr. Murthy uh, conveyed, uh, this is a big issue of misinformation, specifically on the pandemic. In terms of actions, Alex, that uh, we have taken, or we're working to take, I should say, from the federal government, uh, we've increased uh, disinformation research and tracking uh, within the Surgeon General's office. We're flagging problematic posts for Facebook uh, that spread disinformation. We're working with doctors and medical professionals to connect uh, to connected medical experts with popular with popular who are popular with their audiences with uh, with accurate information and boost trusted content. So we're helping get trusted content out there. We also created the COVID nineteen the COVID Community Corps to get factual information into the hands of local messengers. And we're also investing, uh, as you all have seen, in the president's, the vice president's, and Dr. Fauci's time in meeting with influencers who also have large reaches to a lot of these target audiences who can spread and share accurate information. You saw an example of that uh, yesterday. I believe that video will be out tomorrow. I think that was your question, Steve, yesterday. I did a full follow-up. So there you have Jen Psaki, and she was the one-time press secretary for the Joe Biden administration. And you just heard her talk about how the Biden administration worked with groups like Instagram and Facebook and Twitter to get rid of content that they didn't want you to read. That is the opposite of free speech. The Constitution, at least in part, was absolutely suspended during the pandemic. It was absolutely suspended during the pandemic. Now, uh, we wrote and told you way back on June 1st of 2021 
that Facebook had already begun the process of unpublishing our NTEB Facebook page because they did not like what we wrote about regarding the pandemic, regarding the the vaccine, regarding the um, idea that it was a man-made gain-of-function virus in a lab in Wuhan, China. And we eventually lost our entire Facebook page with nearly a quarter million followers, and we had had that page for over a decade. So I'm just trying to show you by playing those two clips back to back. I'm just trying to show you that everything that they imagined in Event 201 in October of 2019, everything that they said, let's play a game of make-believe and let's see if these things ever come to pass. Within weeks, those things began to come to pass. And within six months, they had already begun the process of censoring people. Now, speaking of censoring people, I want to play this clip for you from Tucker Carlson. Um, this is from a debate that he had with Cenk Uger back, I think, in 2018 when Donald Trump was still president. And I only want to play the last minute or two of this clip because you're going to hear Tucker talk about the importance of free speech in America. And free speech is something that bit the dust in 2020. Today is day 1,400 of 15 days to flatten the curve. And instead of these things being a distant memory... What are we talking about today? We're talking about disease X. We're talking about the next step in their global game plan. So take a listen to what Tucker has to say about the importance of free speech in America and what happens when you lose that. You know, I know that this spins up the left more than anything and they're like, corporations aren't people or whatever. Yeah, okay, I guess I agree. But I would just work backward and say, I don't think the problem... So this, it's the straightforward stuff that never scares me. And that's why Trump doesn't really rattle my cage. I'm against... Actually, I'm not a populist, to be honest with you. I think populism is a symptom that the people in charge have really screwed up. And, and it's a warning sign that it's going to get crazier unless we fix the underlying problem. So I'm not actually a populist. I acknowledge that every society is hierarchical and always will be. So I, I'm not that afraid of Trump because I think he's so straightforward, and, I, and I'm not that afraid, actually, of, like, conventional political advertising because I'm not afraid of people talking about what they think or disseminating a message or whatever. What I'm really afraid of is things happening beneath accountability and beneath the sight of the public, things happening in secret, both because I think that's inherently subversive but also because it shakes people's faith that the system is on the level, and, and our system... So the first thing that I want to point out about what Tucker is saying is he says that people begin to lose their faith in government when things begin to happen behind closed doors in secret trials like the trial about the cop who killed Ashley Babbitt. That entire trial took place in secret while the cop who was involved with uh, George Floyd's death that took place in real time on every major news outlet in the world. And so Tucker is talking about 
what begins to happen when you lose free thought, free speech, free expression, and the government begins to go behind your back and do things like Event 201 back in October of 2019. It is basically faith-based. The only reason it's a stable country is because of our democracy. So people get super frustrated, right? But in the end, as we're all taught as children growing up here, don't burn the Bastille or storm the police. You know, don't go crazy, actually. Just vote. And that has been, a, that has been the pressure relief valve that has kept the country stable. If all of a sudden people come to believe the system is rigged, then you're toast. And, and the reason I'm kind of not giving you a straight Tucker said, when people come to believe that the system is rigged, then the system, as he said, is toast. It no longer serves the people. Now, Tucker was making these comments uh, six years ago in 2018, a full year before Event 201 and a year and a half before the start of the pandemic and the lockdowns. answer on the corporate stuff is because I am deeply, more than anything, my, my er concern, my main concern right now is speech. And I think a lot of the reforms, and you've seen this with the social media platforms, a lot of the reforms in response to the 2016 election have in fact been attempts to squelch speech. And so I'm worried about campaign finance reform. I mean, I'm not worried about it. I'm for it, I guess, but I just, I'm hypervigilant about the people writing the laws, writing them in such a way that any American won't have the right to express his or her political views. That We have to walk backward from that, okay? So, like, whenever you're trying to figure out, like, what's the wise course, you need to keep in your mind's eye, in the crosshairs, what is the goal? Like, what is the one thing that we can never sacrifice? Okay, we're not throwing out of the lifeboat. And it has to be speech, because that's the foundation of everything. You have no power if they can control what you say. Because con- Tucker just said, you have no power if the government can control what you say. Did you know that America is the only nation on the face of the earth that has freedom of speech hardwired into their founding documents? Our U.S. Constitution and Declaration of Independence is unique in human history. I'm not saying that America is a special nation like Israel is to God, but America is absolutely unique. And no other country, there's no other place that you can go to where freedom of speech is mandated in their constitution. America is the only one, and America is the last one. Trolling what you say is tantamount to controlling what you think. And so we need to be totally paranoid about that. In fact, more paranoid than ever, because it turned out the people we relied upon to fight that fight for us, folks like the ACLU, have completely gone over to the other side. And all of a sudden, they're like, well, actually, some speech... Some speech is so horrendous that, like, decent people won't allow it. And my first thought was, well, who are the decent people exactly, and what are the criteria they're using to determine what's acceptable or not? Like, this whole road is not a road we ever even want to venture on. You don't get to decide what I think, period. There's no circumstance under which you can say what I'm allowed to think, 
period. Well, that's Tucker on the importance of free speech in America. And again, he made those remarks during a debate with Chank Uger uh, back in 2018. And in the six years since Tucker said those things, man, oh man, have we gotten so very close to fulfilling all of the things that he was warning us about. Now, if you're just tuning in, we're talking about Disease X, and that's the latest catastrophe on the calendar. Take a listen to Dr. John Campbell. Um, He was one of the only medical voices of reason during the three years of the pandemic and the lockdown. Um, I really like Dr. John Campbell. He is a, a, a very uh, thoughtful medical doctor, and uh, he is not given to hyperbole. He gives you facts. He gives you figures. And uh, we need more doctors like Dr. John Campbell. But I want you to take a listen to this clip of what he says is the next big disease, what we're calling disease X. This is what it looks like, and you're not going to like it. Take a listen to Dr. John Campbell. Now, last week, there was published some really concerning research from China. What the researchers did was they got a virus from a pangolin. That's these charming little creatures that are so abused throughout uh, Eastern Asia, particularly. They took a virus from the pangolin and they cultured it in cells in the laboratory. And they then infected mice with it. And it killed all of the mice that it infected through brain infection. So they've generated this new virus that kills 100% of mice it's infected with. But it gets worse. Because the mice that were infected were humanized mice. Now, these are called transgenic mice. In other words, they were given some human genes and they were given human ACE receptor genes that were expressed by the mouse. So these are essentially human ACE receptors in genes. And it was a coronavirus from the pangolin and it killed 100 percent of the mice that were infected. And these are the things that they are jiggling around with in laboratories. This is absolute madness. So you just heard Dr. John Campbell talking to you about what disease X might look like. And if you have ever even slightly investigated these outrageous things that take place, you know what you find? You find that these viruses, so-called, and don't get me wrong, I'm not one of those people that don't think that they exist I absolutely believe that COVID-19 exists and I know far too many people who died from whatever COVID-19 is. I know far too many people who died after having the COVID vaccines and the booster shots. So don't tell me that people aren't dying from something because of a whole handful of my friends died during the pandemic. So I'm not one of those people who just say, well, the whole thing is fake. It's not fake. Uh, It's real. And they're creating these viruses. Everything that Rand Paul said about Anthony Fauci, I believe everything that Rand Paul said. And I believe that Fauci and his people at the National Institutes of Health 
I believe that they paid to create COVID-19 as a gain-of-function virus. And I believe that the same people, this is why we started the program with Ecclesiastes 1.9, I believe that the same people are working overtime to create the next one. Now, why would they do it? Why would anybody go into a lab and start fusing together genes and DNA and pieces of particles of virus? Why would anybody want to do that? Well, because the Bible says that in the end times, people are desperately wicked. And we live in a a world that is preparing itself for Antichrist. And that is a theme that you hear me talk about all the time. And it is true. Um, This unsaved world is preparing itself for Antichrist. So, over in England right now, They're working overtime on disease X. Take a listen. Now let's focus on something else that kills people. Disease. Specifically, let's talk about what's concerning the World Health Organization. Disease X. That's a good clip, but that's not the clip that I wanted. This is the clip I want you to listen to. In some of the most secure labs in the country, scientists are already preparing for the next pandemic. It's just called disease X for now, because nobody knows for sure which virus will cause it. But at its Porton Down complex, the UK Health Security Agency is scanning the horizon for threats and starting work on vaccines just in case. What we're seeing is a rising risk globally. Now, some of that is because of things like urbanisation, where you may get uh, species jumping, so virus jumping from, as we've seen with uh, bird flu, uh, into humans. Some of it is because of climate change. So this is a growing risk agenda, um, but then it's one that we can use our science actively to uh, prevent human impact. It took a little under a year to develop the COVID jab. The target for a vaccine in the next pandemic is just 100 days. Bird flu, monkeypox and other animal viruses capable of infecting humans are being closely monitored. One early success is a potential vaccine against Crimean Congo hemorrhagic fever. It's spread by ticks with a fatality rate of around 30%. It's found in Europe and it's moving north with climate change. That's why they're trying to get ahead and clinical trials are already underway. We've got another dead bird. Not quite sure what that is. But it is bird flu that currently tops the list of threats. Tens of thousands of seabirds have died this summer. There have been four human cases in the UK too. All worked in close contact with birds and all are well. But the National Trust, which looks after long stretches of the coast, is urging people to be cautious. I think uh, people are aware of bird flu and they're aware that there's dead birds that are being washed up. Uh, You know, we're asking people not to go anywhere near the birds and especially if they've got dogs, to keep the dogs on leads as well. The bird flu virus has mutated and spread between some mammals, but the UK Health Security Agency says the risk to humans is still thought to be low. Thomas Moore, Sky News in Pembrokeshire. So you have scientists all over the UK working on disease X. You have all those mysterious unnamed people in Wuhan, China doing (laughs) whatever it is 
that they're doing. And here in America, you have Bill Gates. And he says, this is what we're going to need for the next pandemic. Now, uh, the next pandemic, we already know what it is. It's disease X. And just the same way that they told you what was coming in event 201, they are now telling you again what's coming. Now, the question is, do you believe them or do you not believe them? Back in 2021, Bill Gates said that the next pandemic would have to include this. You want to know what it is? Take a listen. Why and how ready should we be for the next pandemic? Well, governments uh, are there to protect us. And so, you know, they have us practice for earthquakes. You know, they have a fire department with lots of full-time people uh, to stop fires. Um, they have armies that are there uh, to deal with wars. But the pandemic is a disaster that they didn't prepare for. The actual resources required to have a, a global surveillance team uh, to make better diagnostic technologies uh, uh, to do uh, quick detection, it's actually not going to be that expensive once the world gets organized and makes it a priority. So active preparedness for the next pandemic, because as you've said, it's not a matter of if but when. How do we actively prepare? And are you seeing anywhere in the world where there's actual preparedness for a future pandemic right now so she just asked bill gates when the next pandemic comes what do we need to do to prepare this is three years ago the next pandemic is going to be disease x are you ready for what it's going to include well there's some good uh innovation the idea of uh improving the vaccine so that they block getting infection, uh, making them so they last a long, long time, uh, being able to make very cheap diagnostics that you could literally uh, produce billions of uh, very quickly. So the innovation side, I think, is starting to move. But picking how we strengthen WHO, uh, create a special organization dedicated to pandemics, ah. uh, you know, how we staff that, how we get uh -huh. every country to practice, you know, for ah. fire uh, you've got fire drills, you've got signs. Uh, so we need a little bit of uh, preparation so that uh -huh. we actually can stop something before it goes global. Uh, you know, so we'll have lots of outbreaks, but we don't need to have pandemics. Right. So Bill Gates says that with the next pandemic, we have to have a system of global surveillance in place. And they tried that with the last one. Uh, they didn't get as far as they wanted to get, and they pulled back. And I believe that in the next pandemic, it's going to be quite severe. Now, uh, before we continue with the program, let me just remind you um, that uh, we are 15 days into 2024, and we are getting so many requests from jails and prisons across America uh, for free Bibles, New Testaments, gospel tracts, scripture portions. Um, I have a whole stack on my desk from chaplains all across 
the middle of this country who have a desperate need for free Bibles and New Testaments and scripture portions. Um, I got an email last week from the chaplain at SCI Smithfield, Chaplain Coulter in Pennsylvania. And this is what they, uh, she wrote. Hello, our prison is a maximum security prison for men in Pennsylvania. We are the intake prison for the entire state. Meaning, in this prison, if you go to jail, if you go to prison, this is the first stop that you go to. Men come here for 28 days and then they are sent to the jail or prison that they're going to carry out their sentence in. They are allowed to take the Bibles with them. Chaplain Coulter says, we hand out 8 to 12 Bibles per day and appreciate your consideration to send us as many Bibles as you are able to. Thank you and God bless. The need For free Bibles in jails and prisons has never been greater. We are getting more requests in 2024 than we did in 2023 or 2022. And if you would like to help us and we desperately need your help, go to BiblesBehindBars.com and click on the link and make a donation. Uh, This is the only way that this program gets funded. Uh, It is from the prayers and donations of everybody who reads our articles or who listens to these broadcasts. So if you would like to help us to send out Bibles and New Testaments and scripture portions to jails and prisons all across the country, please go to BiblesBehindBars.com right now and make a donation. Um... The need is beginning to outstrip our funding, meaning more people are asking for Bibles than we're taking in in donations. So if you've been waiting for a good time to donate, that time would be right now. Please go to BiblesBehindBars.com, make a donation, and be as generous as you can possibly be because we need your help. Thank you, as always, very much. All right, let's continue with the program. Uh, We started late. We had technical difficulties, all sorts of stuff going on. Uh, So we're going to keep going past our regular 90 minutes. Right now in Davos, Switzerland, it is the 52nd meeting of the World Economic Forum. And uh, it's today, it's tomorrow, it's Wednesday. And they are meeting to decide, much like the Bilderberg Group does, they are meeting there to decide the economic and financial fate of the world. And of course, uh, the World Economic Forum is run by Klaus Schwab. And um, he sounds like a Nazi, he acts like a Nazi, and he looks like a Nazi. On January 17th, they're going to be talking about, you guessed it, Disease X. With fresh warnings from the World Health Organizations that an unknown Disease X could result in 20 times more fatalities than the coronavirus pandemic, what novel efforts are needed to prepare healthcare systems for the multiple challenges ahead? 
Now, on their website, it says this under what I just read to you. This session is linked to the Partnership for Health System Sustainability and Resilience and the Collaborative Surveillance Initiative of the World Economic Forum. The Collaborative Surveillance Initiative of the World Economic Forum. You want to guess the direction that this thing is going in? I think you already have. Uh, Take a listen to War Looms as Global Elites Gather in Davos for the World Economic Forum 2024. Global political and business elites are gathering once again in Davos. The Swiss ski resort hosts the annual meeting of the World Economic Forum. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken and French President Emmanuel Macron are among those expected, alongside thousands of business leaders. But the meeting has rarely faced a more tense or complex backdrop, with talks due on how to end wars in Ukraine and Gaza. One focus is whether Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky will meet Chinese Premier Li Chang during the event. On Sunday, Ukraine Presidential Chief of Staff Andrei Yermak remained hopeful. I, I didn't see the final schedule of the meetings of the presidents. We know that uh, the Prime Minister of China will be as well here. Let's see. Zelensky will speak in Davos later in the week. As for Gaza, the White House says Blinken will bring together key players. That includes Israel's president and the leaders of Qatar and the United Arab Emirates, countries that have emerged as power brokers in the region. It all overshadows the usual economic themes at Davos, though they too look unusually complex. On the agenda will be the future for interest rates and the world's mounting pile of debt. A keenly awaited debut will be made by Argentina's new president, Javier Millet, voted in on a promise of sweeping economic reforms. But one figure looming large at Davos won't actually be there. Donald Trump was the star attraction in some previous years. Oh no, I have great confidence in the Senate. But is staying away this time to focus on his re-election bid. He didn't even get a mention in the WEF's annual Global Risks Report, published each year ahead of Davos. But the possibility that he might win, and the consequences that might have, are very much on the unofficial agenda. So there you have today in Davos, Switzerland, they kicked off the 52nd meeting of the uh, World Economic Forum. And for those of you who don't know who Klaus Schwab is, this is what he had to say three years ago at the very same meeting in Davos, Switzerland. Take a listen to Klaus Schwab telling you about the Great Reset. With us in a studio, we have Professor Klaus Schwab, founder and executive chairman of the World Economic Forum, who can give us the context to this year's very special and very different meeting. Klaus. Good morning and uh, good afternoon. 2021 will be a crucial It will be a pivotal year for the future of humankind. It will be crucial because we have to continue to fight the virus, but we have to move out of the pandemic and we have to create sound economic growth, which is more resilient, more inclusive and more sustainable. 
But what we have to do above all is to restore trust in our world. Trust is needed. In all Isn't it funny that people like Klaus Schwab and Bill Gates and George Soros, they want you to trust them. Do you trust the World Economic Forum? Do you trust Klaus Schwab? I don't trust anything about any of these people. Not one tiny bit. Klaus Schwab is a hardcore globalist, and it was his group of young global leaders that put people in place like Vladimir Putin and Emmanuel Macron and all those different people. Klaus Schwab was the one who put all those things in place. To overcome the crisis, but trust is needed as a base to have a future oriented mind and to construct the world for tomorrow. There are two requirements for restoring trust. First, we have to substantially reinforce global cooperation again. And second, we have to engage all stakeholders into the solution of the problems we face. And here we have to engage particularly business. For this so Klaus Schwab back in 2021 was talking about the Great Reset. This is what he said back in 2017 about planting leaders in world government. He's not shy. He admitted it. When you brought the Young Global Leaders Program here for executive education and the Schwab Fellows. But there are two countries in the world now in which the Young Global Leaders have emerged. Tell us just a bit about that in, in terms of the governance. Yes, um, actually, this um, notion to integrate young leaders uh, <coughs> is part of the World Economic Forum since many years. And I have to say, um, when I mention our names, like Mrs. Merkel, um, even uh, Vladimir Putin and so on, they all have been young global leaders of the World Economic Forum. Mm -hmm. But... Um, what we are very proud of now is a young generation like uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, um, President of, of uh, Argentina and so on, so that we penetrate the cabinets. So yesterday I was at a, at a reception for Prime Minister Trudeau and I know that half of this cabinet or even more half of, uh, half of this cabinet are for our actually young global leaders of the world in grateful. And that's true in Argentina, too. Wow. Yeah. Sorry. That's true in Argentina as well. It's true in Argentina and uh, it's true in France now. Mm -hmm. I mean, with the president, with a young global leader. But what is important for me is those young global leaders have an opportunity to come here and we, in addition to the young global leaders, we have now the global shapers in 450 cities around the world. Diversity fosters new ideas. New ideas generate the experimentation needed to make the most of the fourth industrial revolution. The measure of a society, of a just society, is not whether we stand up for people's rights 
when it's easy or popular to do so. It's whether we recognize rights when it's difficult, when it's unpopular. We are a society that stands up for people's rights, and when governments fail to respect people's rights, we all end up paying. If you don't want to get vaccinated, that's your choice. But don't think you can get on a plane or a train besides vaccinated people and put them at risk. Stop breaking the law! (laughs) So there you have Klaus Schwab. Uh, Let me tell you something else about Disease X. And this is something that um, Lori found this yesterday for me on the Johns Hopkins website. Did you know that there is an official bill in Congress that has been introduced and it is called the Disease X Act of 2023. And it was um, introduced by Congress people Lori Trahan, Michael Burgess, Dan Crenshaw, and Susie Lee. It's a bipartisan bill and it's called the Disease X Act of 2023. Uh, And it says this, it is a critical piece of legislation that aims to ensure our country is prepared to respond to emerging uh, diseases with the potential to cause global pandemics. Viral pathogens with pandemic potential can dramatically affect the U.S. population, military readiness, and economic and national security. And here is this very interesting line. I want you to listen to what I'm about to read to you and really remember it. Whether a future pandemic threat is naturally occurring, accidentally released, or deliberately caused, I'm going to say that again. Whether a future pandemic threat is naturally occurring, accidentally released, or deliberately caused, our best defense will be safe and effective medical countermeasures, including therapies, vaccines, and diagnoses. And I'm going to put that link into the chat room, but you can go to the centerforhealthsecurity.org and you can find this article. And um, the Johns Hopkins people were the very same people that hosted Event 201 back in October of 2019. And now they are sponsoring and, and helping to support legislation in the U.S. Congress on a little something called the Disease X Act of 2023. And so I hope today's podcast was illuminating to you. Today is day 1,400 of 15 days to flatten the curve. And what I want you to take away from this podcast is I want you to understand they're going to do it again. I don't know whether it's going to be this winter or next winter. I have no idea. I am not a a prophet. I'm not a psychic. I don't know. But I know this. I know that all of the red flags that we talked about in the end of 2019, going into 2020, all of the suspicious things that we were looking at in that time period that turned out to be true, 
those same red flags are popping up again. Back in 2019, the Johns Hopkins Center was at the forefront of Event 201. They are enthusiastically supporting the Disease X Act of 2023. Bill Gates has already told you that the next pandemic will require global surveillance. Now, as far as the election is concerned, it is going to be absolutely crazy. It is going to be off the charts crazy. Anything could happen. Political assassination, civil war, civil unrest, you name it, it could happen. Did you know? Did you know that on Saturday, and you probably didn't hear about this in the news if you're still one of those people who listen to the news, But did you know that on Saturday night at the White House in Washington, D.C., there was a violent mob uprising that was attempting to tear down the security fence in front of the White House? Now, if you hadn't heard about that, let me tell you the reason why you haven't heard about that. Because the mob that was attempting to tear down the security fence, and there was thousands of people doing that, the mob that was attempting to gain access to the White House, screaming, um, F. Joe Biden, and uh, to hell with America, and all these different things. The reason why you didn't hear about it, because those people were the pro-Palestinian protesters. They were the people who hate Israel and support Hamas. They are the people who have no problem with the largest single-day slaughter of Jewish people on October 7th. Um, So, uh, you didn't hear about that wild mob uprising right in front of of the White House on Saturday because the people who were doing the rioting are the very same people controlled and supported by the mainstream legacy media. So, uh, I just put the link into the chat room. You can go and watch that video. Uh, It is absolutely unbelievable the things that are taking place. Mia from Texas said, we are only 15 days into the new year and it feels like it's been six months already. And doesn't this year feel exactly like it did in 2020? Doesn't it feel just the same way that back then you knew something was coming? Doesn't it feel like that now? And Uh, If you're paying attention, then it absolutely feels like that to you because that is what's happening. Um, uh, I told you last week that all through the month of December, we were getting an unbelievable uptick in requests for Ruckman Reference Study Bibles from Christians living in Nigeria. And uh, we got dozens and dozens of requests 
and we sent out every single one. Uh, cost about $103 per package, and it's an expensive process. Um, but uh, sending out dozens of Ruckman reference Bibles to Nigerian Christians, I think that is a very, very good use of funds, and I'm very glad that we're doing that. If you would like to support our free Bible program, which is part of Bibles Behind Bars, go to nowtheendbegins.com and make a donation. Um, and help us to continue sending out free Bibles, New Testaments, gospel tracts, and scripture portions where they are needed in this crazy year of 2024. I think it's going to be even wilder than 2020. So buckle up, be prepared for anything, and most of all, the Bible says in Ephesians 5.16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And if you haven't listened to our Sunday service from yesterday, talking about um, being willing to work and wait for the salvation of your lost loved ones and how God did a work in my brother's life, I want you to go listen to that testimony. Uh, I want you to go listen to that program. It's the Sunday service from yesterday about... Um, waiting for unsaved loved ones to come to the Lord. Um, and and uh, uh, Shar just posted, thank you so very much. My walk with Christ is better because of this ministry. Amen. And uh, my walk with Christ is better because of this ministry and because of what God is doing through each and every one of us. And I love our NTEB family. And I'm so glad to be going through the end times with each and every one of you. Uh the war is real, <laughs> the battle is hot, and the time is short. And I call each and every one of you who are saved, who know the Lord, who want to get something done for Him, I call each and every one of you to the fight. And it's a very real fight. It's a spiritual fight. Um, and, and it is a battle that the Lord has already given us the victory. And with that, we've come to the end of our time for today. Thank you so much for sticking through the uh, technical glitches that we had. I'll, I'll put both programs together in the editing, and I'll post that. Um, but Lord willing, we're going to see you back here Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, for another edition of our Rightly Dividing King James Bible Study. Have a great week, everybody. To the fight! I hear the sound of a mighty rushing wind And it's closer now than it's ever been I can almost hear the trumpet At the midnight cry 
I see prophecies fulfilling The signs of the time You know they're appearing everywhere I can almost hear the Father Right. 